If you have a pen and paper, um, I would like for you to get that out where you can write something down. If you don't and want to pull your phone out, um, that'd be just as good. Maybe you could text the answer to the question I'm going to have to yourself. That way you, uh, you have it. While you're, uh, while you're doing that, just going to tell Matthew you left your nerves up here. <laughs> seemed, to, seemed to have taken them on. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you tonight. And I appreciate the prayer on my behalf very much. Um, I hope that I'm able to give you something that you can take away from here uh, this evening and, and make your service to God, I don't know that easier is the right word, but better, um, more fulfilling, more honest. Um, so we'll just get started. Our topic tonight is make it all about me. Now, I'm not talking about being selfish in earthly ways. I'm talking about personalizing the Word of God to you, to make it meaningful to your life, and to make it able to change your life. Just a small example in the lower corner of this slide, John 3.16, For God loved me so much that Christ was sent to die for me, so that I would not be condemned, but spend eternity in heaven. Let, let me explain because how, why I want to do this, because um, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I really am nervous. Um, so that paper that you have, or the phone that you have, if you'll just skip down a little bit, leave a little room there, I want you to, uh, to write down a sin that you struggle with, um, one that's hard, something that bothers you, or something you're, that you have a lot of shame or guilt over. And I guess at this point I'll play the teacher and say, keep your eyes on your own work. <laughs> um, because this is for you, it's not for your neighbor. And the reason I want, want you to do that is if you have it written down in black and white, it's going to be pretty hard for you to squeeze your way out of that when we talk about It's going to be hard for you to justify your way out of that, to give excuses for your way out of that. I want us to really acknowledge what we struggle with and the things that's hard for us. And we'll use this later on in the lesson. So we've had many, many good sound doctrinal lessons lately. Um, Brother David, not long ago, spoke about integrity. Luke has spoke uh, recently on lies, and he gave a lesson before that about the truth and what the truth was. Brother Mark Hayes spoke not too long ago about bringing our thoughts into captivity. Brent um, last Sunday, I believe, spoke on pride, that being a danger to the future of the church. And this morning, Matthew set this lesson up for me quite well in why I won't change. So if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've heard 
a lot of the topics that we've talked about. You've heard sermon after sermon uh, about these things. You know, when we, when we really get to looking at these and us and why, why I won't change, there are issues with the heart. Our heart doesn't want to take in what we know that it needs to. And just to be honest, for most of my life, I've struggled with the application, right? The, the practical application of Scripture to make it to, to fit me. Well, really to make the, me fit it. But you know what I'm getting at. To make, to make it mean something to me, to give me enough oomph, to give me enough meaning that I will leave here and do what God would ask me to do. How do we make it happen? How do we get beyond the, what we need to do and what we don't need to do to actually that being what our life is? Romans, uh, the 12th chapter, the first three verses, says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. But do not be, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Speaking of hearing scriptures, this is quoted so many times. It's so applicable to our lives. But you know, when when you really get to looking and I don't know, Matthew talked this morning about how Saul was blinded, blinded by the light of truth and how he has these moments where it just hits him and goes, wow, that's what that means. Well, the last line of this hit me. You know, we, we read through this and we say that don't be conformed and be transformed. But to get to the very last words to prove the will of God, kind of has a new meaning to us if we take that personally. I'm supposed to not be conformed to the world. I'm supposed to transform myself by the renewing of my mind to prove the will of God. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? For us to take that on, my life is supposed to prove the will of God to people other than myself. Do you apply that to you? Or as what I've done many times, when it, you look at the top line, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Am I going to apply this to me, or am I going to apply this to the brethren? Do I take it as something that's for everybody and not for me? So I, I understand what a living sacrifice is, and, and I understand that, that we shouldn't conform to the world. It's not what we're supposed to do. I even understand... The application of transformation, right? But the proving, all of this to prove what is that good and acceptable, acceptable and perfect will of God um, puts a little more emphasis on it. You know, one reason that I found the application of Scripture hard for me is because I confess that most of my life, my Christianity was showing up at church. 
three times a week. That was the big, the big box that you check off. Big red X, I was here. I even took part. I could teach, I could sing. But basically, that's what my Christianity was when I left the building. And, and you know from my history that that even turned out to not be my Christianity. That I even walked away from that. Except in times when I wanted people to see me there. You know, so I, Matthew talked about this, this graph this morning about where we are between being saved and being persecuted. And we want to skate that line, but I, I wanted to be really on the other side and stay away from the persecution of Christians for what I was doing. If we're going to be really honest about it. me figure out where I am here. This personal stuff gets a little difficult to deliver. Um, so, like me, I'm sure if you were raised in the church that you went three times a week that you know all that thou shalt not. You know what those are. And you probably know all the things that you're supposed to do. But if you don't make it applicable, how can it change you? Do, you? do you feel like that? Do you feel like the the sermons are delivered at the groups, the thems, and the us's, and the they's, but we don't really take it as the me, and the my, and the I, but I believe that's where we fall down. Many times. <clears throat> so what I've learned over the past several years is that we really have to make this personal. We really have to make it mean about us. And this is, we have to count the cost. You know, when we're raised in the church, we've been taught to live as a Christian. So when we obey the gospel, I'm not sure we do this. Because we're already doing it, right? It's already part of our life. We're already giving up time for the service. We're giving up getting to go do things with, uh, with the other crowd, you know, if our parents are watching. But this is a reality. At some point in our life, as a Christian, it's going to cost us more than time. It's going to cost us ourselves. It's what it should cost us. Luke 14 and verse 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not set down first and count the cost, whether it's enough to finish it? Do, and, and it's a shame we don't, really. And, and I think people that have not been in the church and that are going to, we talk to about this, are you counting the cost? Do you, do you have what it takes to get to the end? Because it's easy to play out in the middle if we're not committed. <clears throat> what about this? Study to show yourself approved. It's going to be part of what it cost us. It's going to cost us some time and effort. Be diligent to present yourself to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, 
rightly dividing the word of truth. And, and I'll, just, I'll just put this out there. That doesn't happen just at church. You learn a lot. I, you learn a lot. You can say what to do, what not to do. You can, you can get all those down. But studying, God wants to be sought after. He tells us, if you will seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. You knock on the door and I'll open it. He said, and I'll come in and eat with you and you with me. He's very intentional about what he wants with us and for us. But it's going to take some time. So I found that it takes intimacy with God. Not just, not just knowing, right? If we compare just knowing and not feeling, we can look at the old law. Right? That was a set of rules. They did what they were supposed to. They checked it off. But their heart wasn't right. Their heart wasn't right because they walked off over and over and over again and again. But we have a better covenant now and one that's about the heart. One of the things that costs us is confessing sins. It doesn't have to be to everybody. This scripture is about confessing our sin to God. If we say we have no no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if you want to take that to the next step, if I say that I'm not sinning, I'm deceiving myself and I'm, li- I'm lying. I'm a liar. Truth isn't in me. But if I confess my sin, God's faithful to forgive me and to cleanse me if you make that personal. So, an interesting thought when I was putting this together on this, when we're confessing our sins to God, do we do it like we've learned to do it here God please forgive me help me to do better tomorrow than I did today talk to you later is that how we do it or do we get personal how did David do it David the man after God's own heart who was so broken but yet so humble How did he do it? I think um, the whole of Psalms tells us because it's written in I, my, me. It's all very personal. He said, when I kept silent about my sin, my body became weak because I groaned all day long. Day and night, your heavy hand punished me. I became weaker and weaker as I do in the heat of summer. And this is where I think it's so much what we should do. Then I admitted my sin to you. I didn't cover it up. I said, I will admit my lawless acts to the Lord, and you forgave my sin. I don't think he said, God, I messed up. Please forgive me. And that murder and that, you know, Mark it off my record, and let's move on. 
So I want to get to the heart of, of what I want to talk about tonight and how we personalize this. And I've, I've done this with a few of you um, in some of our studies, but I think it's helpful enough that I just do it with everyone. So I personalized some scripture, and I want to share that with you this evening. Not because of anything that makes me look special. Please don't take it that way. Because this is, uh, this is emotional for me. It's hard. It's hard to lay ourselves out to each other and especially to God. But I want to share it because I believe that this has given me strength that I never had before. And I think that it can do the same for you. Mark, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as your fondest belonging. Put them everywhere before you, and above all, put them in your heart. Wisdom should be like a teacher to you, and insight like an intimate friend to keep you from sinning, from fornication, pornography, homosexuality, internet sex, immodesty, drugs, and lying. You will be tempted with these everywhere you look, and you will justify these sins if you have not kept your heart from evil. I looked in my heart, and because I knew God, but I failed to glorify Him as God, I was lured into sin, and my heart became filled with vile affections and degrading passions. I became futile and godless in my thinking, and my mind was darkened. I exchanged the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God for the idols of men, drugs, pride, and lust. I committed shameful acts with men, and I suffered in my own body and personality the inevitable consequences and penalty of doing wrong and going astray, which is fitting retribution. So since I did not see fit to acknowledge God or approve of Him or consider Him worth knowing, God allowed me to have a base mind condemned to loathsome things until I was saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, iniquity, grasping and covetous greed and malice. I was full of jealousy, murder, strife, envy, lies, and treachery, ill will, and a cruel way. I was guilty of backbiting, gossiping, and slander, hateful to and hating God, full of insolence, arrogance, and boasting, Inventing new forms of evil, disobedient and undutiful. I was without understanding. I was conscienceless and selfish, fruitless, heartless, and loveless and merciless. Even though I was fully aware of God's righteous decree that because I did these things I deserved to die, 
I not only did them, but I applauded those who practiced these things as well. Satan used other people to lure me in and to tempt me. And he used me in that state to lure others in and to tempt them. I have been a road to hell and death. Satan has used technology, phones, computers, sex sites, pornography, selfishness, fleshly lust, and lies. He taught me to lie, to sneak around, to deceive others, to justify my actions, and to only think of pleasure. He told me that I would not get caught and that I could keep my true self from being discovered by other people. He told me, your Savior's not here. He's gone on a long journey and will not return for a long time. He will not return today. But if he does, he will forgive you. With much justifying and enticement, I was persuaded. With allurements, I was led to overcome my conscience and my fears. I yielded and followed my desires like an ox moving to his slaughter, like one in chains going to corrections. Until a dart pierces and inflames my being, then like a bird fluttering straight to the net, I did not fully realize what it would cost me, my life. Listen again, Mark. Do not incline your heart to these ways. Do not stray into the path, because there have been many wounded. The slain are too many to number. So the difference between making this my story and just reading this as a letter to someone who hadn't known Christ or who hadn't strayed, but not fully taking on the responsibility is heartbreaking. Because the Word of God's supposed to move us. It's supposed to change us. And if we don't let it be to me, if we don't take the responsibility of what the letters say to the churches, or what the examples of sinning is to us, then we'll never let it change us. This fully exposed me to myself by doing this. This showed me what God would see if he looked at me with, with me without Christ. You know, there's another passage in, in, Roman tell, in Romans that says, Thanks be to God. Such were some of you. You see, just because we have been in this spot doesn't mean that we're stuck there. Such were some of you. And there's a whole list, right? A whole list that many of us can identify with. And isn't it awesome that the creator of the universe is willing to let us be a were and that we have a new life and that he provides that with, for us. You know, we, we read, um, and I'll, I'll point out again, what our purpose is in proving the will of God. And that's not a word that we use much anymore. But 
Uncle D, I'm sure that you've seen my Grandpa Teal prove a horse or prove a hunting dog. People used to take things that were alive and had their, their minds and their habits. And before they bought them, they proved them. They tested them. They tried them to see if they fit. You know what? We can't prove the Word of God, but the Word of God will prove us. It will test us. It will try us. It will turn us over. It will reveal our weaknesses. It will reveal our strengths. But it will only do that if we're willing to let it. So where do we start? Where, where did I start? So when we're beaten and broken and God has, has brought us to our knees, we start looking. And the first thing we need to do is identify, just like I said, the things that are offensive or at odds with God. But people will say it's so hard. Where do I start? Well, you know, it's, it really can be not that difficult. Um, I, I don't want to step on what Matthew said this morning about technology. But as bad as technology can be, as bad as I used it for sin, it can be really, really good for us. If you have a smartphone and you Google what does the Bible say about, and you put your sin in there, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a list of scriptures. You're going to get advice from people. And I want to, and we'll mention that more in a minute, that we have to be guarded about the advice that we take. But when we're given scripture that applies to our sin, we've got to start right there. So, I would like for you to write at the top of what you wrote down as your struggle, what does the Bible say about? How does God feel about? What is the truth about? Now, if you use this, I'm going to tell you it's going to be some work. It's going to take some effort. Because we take what we learn, and that's how God changes our hearts. So, if one of the things you wrote down was a negative or poor attitude, let me show you. What does the Bible say about ad, bad attitudes? It, give, it gave a list of five points. It's unworthy of a Christian. And I know you can't read it, but it goes on to describe how we were bought with a price. How we are kingdom in the kingdom of God and we serve as priests to Him. And a bad attitude takes all of that away. It has evil companions. It stems from pride. It'll drag you... I'm sorry, I can't even read that. I'm going to have to look at mine. 
<clears throat> it drags your troubles out longer. <laughs> Is that what we want? No. It spreads to others like an infection. Do you know that really, when it talks about uh, spreading to others like an infection or evil communications corrupt good manners, you know what? So does good. Good stuff spreads to people. It influences people. But man, does the bad go fast. But what God's asked us to do is be a light for him. So if you take scriptures out of those slides, these are three of them, Romans 8.15, for you did not receive the spirit, or let's, let's change these, I did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but I received the spirit of adoption by whom I cry out, Abba Father, God my Father. There's a relationship there. 1 Peter 2 and 9, But I'm a chosen generation, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's special son, that I may proclaim his praises, who called me out of darkness into marvelous light. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Again, do not be deceived. Evil company will corrupt me. And how many times as a kid have we told our parents, they won't influence me. We know better, right? Because as an adult, I've let that happen. I really can't read those back there. So this is where I googled 10 sins that often slip by is okay. Holding grudges, justifying wrong attitudes, putting our desires before God, feeling annoyed over the success of others, getting hurt easily and reacting out of the hurt, underpaying, skimping on the work that we're being paid to do. Does any of that show up in yours? God has the answer for each one of those. What God says when we feel annoyed. There's so much information at our fingertips that we can't say, I don't know where to start. What does the Bible say about being, having hurt feelings? The first thing it says is, God says, vengeance is mine. Not, not mine. Vengeance is his. I need to wait on God. And then he gives scriptures. There's four right there, five, on your iPhone page. What does the Bible say about cursing or bad language? Do you struggle with that? There's answers right here. Ephesians 5 and 4. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable to be coming out of my mouth. But I should give thanks.
I told you I would talk about being careful because you can, you can Google this. This is a big topic in the government, in society, in churches, everywhere. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? So there's two things to click on right here on this page. If you click on the bottom one, it's from the Human Rights Organization. And you will get a lot of man's opinions about how twisted religion is and how man has misinterpreted the scripture and how we're supposed to just fall in line with this. And it can be convincing. If, if this is something you struggle with, it doesn't take much to be convinced where you can justify behaviors. But we can't listen to man. Not if we're on a journey to improve our lives. Not if we're trying to understand God better and to be better people. If you choose the other one, you're going to get a whole list of Scripture, Bible verses about homosexuality. The real ones. And we think... We think that the, all the information is skewed. But you can Google this, and you can get Scripture that's applicable to the subject, that tells you the truth. Right now, I know we talk about being persecuted in the future and how things may change, but right now, you can still get truth. You can still get Bible verses when you Google these things. I'm going to close in just a minute, but I hope that these things have given you some perspective on how to take Scripture and apply it. It's, it's not about somebody else. It's for everybody. I get that. I get it. It's for the world, right? It talks about the world. It talks about how governments... How authorities are set up to govern the world. It talks about how we're supposed to work. How we're supposed to provide. And mostly, the reflection that we're supposed to give as a Christian to other people about God. So, one of your things, possibly, that you have written down could be anger, cursing, lying, evil thoughts. If that turned up and you Google it, you're likely to be led to Colossians, the third chapter. And if you'll take just a minute to pull out your Bible, I want us to go through this together. And we're not going to go through all the way. We're going to stop about where it says, wives submit to your husband, because I don't want to personalize my wife's struggles. And that's a joke, by the way. She puts up with plenty from me. And I just want to say for my kids and my wife to sit here and listen to me talk about my past is a struggle for them. But it's less of a struggle for me to be in God's care, for me to have been changed by Him, 
and for us as a family and as a couple to be willing to share the things that we've gone through to try to help other people, to try to point to Christ in everything in life. And I will stand and, and not brag on the fact because, I mean, it's hurtful, right? It, it was a bad situation. But I will say that I know that each one of them is inclined to do the will of God and to help others do the will of God through the things that they've gone through. In Colossians, the third chapter, beginning at verse 1, if I seek to be risen with Christ, I need to seek those things that are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. My affections must be on spiritual things and not earthly. And this is a bit of paraphrasing, by the way. So, and it came from the AS, uh, ASB. So just bear with me here for a little bit. I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is my life, appears, then I also will appear with him in glory. Because of this, I must kill evil desire that lives in me. Sexual vices, impurity, sexual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and wanting what others have, because that is adultery. Idolatry, sorry. It is because of these sins that the anger of God is poured out on me if I disobey him. I walked in these things when I was addicted to these practices. I have to put anger out of my life and the rage that I feel with it. I have to learn to not feel bad towards other people. And if I am foul-mouthed and speak abusings and shameful things, God will be displeased. I cannot lie to anyone about my success of these things, but I have to speak the truth. I am a new spiritual man, and I am in the process of being remade into a new man, like after the image of Jesus. In this new life, there is not room for prejudices towards other people, but Christ is all and in all, and he must be everything to me and in me. I am God's chosen person, therefore, I must be tender-hearted, and I must have mercy, kindness, and humility. I strive to be as gentle as Jesus and as patient. I have to be willing to forgive, and more importantly, to understand that I will only be forgiven like I forgive my worst enemy. I have not loved others well, but I have to love everyone completely. Christ can make peace rule in my heart if I will follow him. I have been chosen to be part of God's family, and I give thanks for this. Christ's word must dwell in me fully, and I have a responsibility to teach and to train others. I have failed God, but going forward, everything that I do must be in his name and giving praise to God through Jesus. The word will change you. The word 
will move you and it will make your life better. If you open your heart to it and you allow it to become personal to you, to not let it be about everybody else, but to take it on. And you know, these things that we've talked about are on the troubled side of life. I get that because it's where our struggle is. But some people struggle with really believing that God will fulfill his promises. And you can put your name into every blessing that God promises a Christian. You can personalize those just as easy as you can the don't do this. I hope this has been helpful to you tonight, and I hope that it will give you strength and courage to make your life closer to Christ. If there's one here tonight that has not named the name of Christ and would care to be baptized, we can do that tonight. There's water ready behind us. Or if there's someone that has struggled or is struggling and wants to make their, their life right with Christ, they want to recommit, they want to personalize their relationship with Christ, we can pray for you as well. If there be either one uh, subject to those, we'd ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.